0: Well, it's great to have you join us today. Most of you are watching online or in your, in your pajamas. So, congratulations. Uh, as we get started, consider tagging a friend in the comments who might also be interested in joining with you today or maybe checking this out later. Uh, you can even share this premiere on your page uh, right now. And the reason you should consider this is because life is complicated. Faith can be complicated. And we as a church are simply here to try and help as many as we can. Now, last week, we began this series, Ask It. It's the question that answers just about everything. And this sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. This series is about one question. Because as I said, life, relationships, finances, faith, dating, parenting, marriage, divorce, recovery, it's all complicated and you want to get it right. And so do I. And if the question we're talking about would become a question that you ask for the rest of your life at every stage of your life, this question will save you a lot of money and time and a lot of tears. In fact, perhaps your greatest regret would have been avoided if you'd asked this simple question and then acted on the answer. And the question is this, what is the wise thing for me to do? That's the question. And then last week, we, we expanded this into three different dimensions of our life. We asked this, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and hopes and dreams for the future, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, as uh, we said last week, my past isn't your past. And there's things that should influence my current decisions based on my past that you don't need to factor in. In, in light of my current circumstances... The current impact of a pandemic on your life in light of your current finances, your current relationships, whatever it might be, what's the wise thing, not for everybody, but for you to do? And then we talked about our hopes and dreams for the future in light of where you want to be someday financially, in your marriage, where you want to be in relationship with your kids, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for you to do? not the right thing or the legal thing, or what can I get away with? What's the wise thing for me to do? And then last week I gave you some homework and it was pretty simple. I just said, ask it. You don't even have to do the wise thing, but you owe it to yourself to know what the wise thing to do is. And, and if uh, asking the, if you ask this question and then you decide, well, uh, you know, I think I know what the wise thing to do is, but I'm not going to do it. And this is going to sound kind of harsh, but you've learned that you don't have your own best interest in mind. And you should at least be honest with yourself about that. But my hope is that you'll rethink it. And to help today, we're going to look at the options. And to do that, we're going to look at a book called the Book of Proverbs, most of which was written by Solomon, who was purported to be the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, He was so wise, kings from all over would send representatives to talk with him whenever they had a difficult question. He wrote most of the Proverbs, And the book of ecclesiastes in fact if you're unsure about the relevance of the bible i dare you to read the book of ecclesiastes especially if you're over 40 because you're going to read it and go i agree with this guy He also wrote the book Song of Solomon, which you weren't allowed to read as a teenager if you grew up in church. Not too many children's lessons on Song of Solomon. And so he gives us three incredible pieces of ancient literature full of insight and understanding. And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says that there are four different kinds of people. There are the wise people that we've been talking about, people who look at the past, the present, and the future and make the best and the wisest decision. But there are three other categories as well. And today I want to talk about those three other categories. Now I've got to warn you, you're going to be offended. In in fact, you're going to log off and be mad at me or in about five minutes, you're going to start having an imaginary conversation with me. But don't be mad at me, be mad at Solomon because Solomon's about to tell us to walk away from wisdom is to walk towards something else. And perhaps you've never thought of it this way. You've Maybe you've never considered what you're backing into or turning towards when you say, I know what the wise thing to do is, and I'm just not going to do it. So this is going to be a little bit offensive. And let me add one more important thing. I'm not preaching at anyone, and I'm not trying to demean anyone. That's not who I am. And the reason I can speak with authority on this subject matter is because of my 51 years on this planet, sadly, I have at one time or another fallen into one or more of these categories that Solomon's about to describe. So I have the embarrassment and the scars to know exactly what it is like to be in one of these three. And if you're not opting for wisdom, just like there have been times I didn't opt for wisdom, I just want you to be able to decide which of these other options you're opting for. Now, the first Solomon option that we're going to talk about is the simple person. Now, the reason the simple person is not wise isn't because they're against it, it's because they're too young to know any better. The simple person is naive or they're clueless. And again, I don't mean that badly. They're not bad or evil or dumb or trying to ruin their life, they're just inexperienced. The simple person lacks something that older people have experience. The great theologian, Taylor Swift, she got this right about 11 years ago when she's saying this, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Not because you're dumb or you're bad, you're going to believe them because you're 15. It's not a criticism, it's just simply a warning because, and again, this is offensive, but maybe you're simple simply because you lack life experience. Now we're not going to look at the passage today that i draw this from because i have it's long and i have limited time but i'd love for you to read it later because it's the best passage in scripture that deals with the simple or the naive and it is found in proverbs chapter 7. but to summarize it in this proverb he describes a simple man a young man who's walking into a mess and when you read it it's like watching a movie and the soundtrack is ominous and you're about to see the main character do something really stupid And maybe you're someone like me, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I'm one of those crazy people that talk to the screen, though it's not a Zoom call or FaceTime. Okay, it's a show or a movie. Sometimes I've been known to yell at the TV, any of you. I can really irritate my wife. Uh, The character you like is about to do something dumb, and so you yell. And when you read this passage, it's like that. It's like, here's this young man. He thinks he's uh, in for a good time, and Solomon says, no. Actually, he's like an ox to the slaughter like a bird caught in a snare. What he thinks is gonna be good is gonna be bad. All of us older people, we read it, go, you're just, you're naive, you don't know, you're simple. But if you say to a simple person, hey, you know, that's not a wise thing to do, or you really need to think that through, or hey, in my experience, a simple person responds, hey, thanks, but nothing bad's gonna happen. I mean, kids say this all the time, and we said it as kids, it's fine, it'll work out. The simple person's like, mom, dad, whatever. Nothing bad's going to happen. The older person is thinking about all the things that could and likely will go bad. You know, when I was your age, I handled it badly or I'm concerned because the world's full of people with lasting consequences in their life because they didn't handle it very well. You're just overreacting. It's why as parents we overreact because we were 15 once and 22 and 30. It's because we've experienced enough that we can anticipate the future because when you're 15 and somebody says they love you, you're going to believe them. Because you're 15, you can't help it. And here's the thing, if you're 21 or under, especially if you're under, and I'm not judging you, it's just reality, you lack experience. It's not your fault. In in fact, uh, all of us, the people are older than 21, we wish we were 21, we envy you. In fact, sometimes we're jealous because you're cool and you can wear stuff that we can't wear and we try to and our spouses are like, no, you you can't wear that. Yeah, but it looks good on her. Well, yeah, because she's 20 or he's 21. And here's the other thing. You haven't faced certain consequences like we and our peers have. So, of course, you can't factor it in. You've never been in debt to the point where you're not sure how you're going to make that house payment or rent and you might be homeless or how you're going to make that car payment. You're not afraid of debt the way we understand you should be afraid of debt. You've never been addicted to anything. Now, you might be addicted right now, but not know it. You're too young to know. You just lack experience. That's not belittling you. It's just true. You've never had your heart so betrayed and destroyed. You're not sure you're ever going to trust another guy or another woman. You've not seen the long-term consequences of not being careful with your sexuality to where it's damaged to the point you're not sure you could ever experience real intimacy with anyone. You've just never been there. And we don't want you to be there. And neither does your heavenly father. So when people who are older and they love you say, hey, look, I'm not trying to be critical. You just lack experience. Just trust me. It's difficult because when you're 15 and somebody says they love you, you're going to believe them. Now, here's the amazing thing. And then I've got to move on. If you're 21 or even 25, let's give it to you, 25 or under, you can have it both ways. You can have the benefits of youth and of wisdom all at the same time. You can wear the skinny jeans, and you could do your hair 150 uh, different ways, and everybody's going to be like, "Well, she's 18, or he's 22," and you can eat whatever you want in whatever quantities you want, and do all the cool things that 20-something-year-old people get to do, and you can be wise at the same time. You do not have to allow the fact that you lack lack life experience when it comes to certain things, and this is so important. You do not have to learn everything the hard way. You can have your youth and wisdom but you will have to seek it it does not come naturally you have to ask for it and here's the last thing that i want to say to all of you simple people i know this is so offensive but 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 just please do not trade what you want most for what you want in the moment and this is huge you have many adults in your life, older than you, that would love to be able to go back to be 15 or 18 or 19 or 22 or that first or last year in college. They would love to go back and be so focused on the future hopes and dreams that they had. They wish they could go back and not trade what they wanted so badly in the moment for what it cost them in the future. And, th- and that doesn't have to be your story. If with every invitation and opportunity and decision, you stop. And you ask, okay, what's the wise thing for me to do? And then add to that the willingness to seek out advice, even if you're pretty sure they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. Maybe especially if you know that. I'm just saying if, if you will do that, it will take you to places that you want to be. The second category that Solomon gives us that's so offensive is the fool. Now, the difference between the, the fool and the simple is the fool knows but doesn't care. It's like, you know, that's going to hurt you. Yes. You're going to do it anyway. Yes. Why? I, I don't care. I don't give a fill in the blank. I it like, I, I just don't give a, I mean, but look, it's written right here on the side of the package. I, I can read. I just don't care. In your first marriage, when you did that, it, it didn't turn out so well. I, I know. Thank you. I'm going to do it anyway. It's none of your business. Or, but everybody that does that, it, it ends badly. I know. I mean, everybody that's invested in that, I know everybody else that's eaten and treated their body like that. It's not ended well, I know. So, you know, where this is going to lead. Yeah. And you're going to do it anyway. Yes. Because to quote Bon Jovi, it's my life. Now, now, Solomon, the wisest man in the world who had more money than you could ever dream of, did things that you'll never do. And thousands of years from now, nobody's going to be talking about you like we're talking about Solomon. And to get your attention, here's what he writes. As a dog returns to its vomit. Now, let's just pause and picture that for a moment before we move on. Got the picture? Got the picture in your mind? You ever seen a dog do this? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. He says that ultimately a fool finds pleasure in their wicked schemes. Okay, you know where this leads. Yeah, but it's fun. Okay, the last time, it took you like three weeks to get over that. Yes, but it was fun while it lasted. Now, the amazing thing is we can all see this in other people. In fact, you've probably got someone in mind right now, right? A fool knows the difference between right and wrong, and they just don't care. A fool even knows the consequences, and they don't care. And see, the problem is the cure for the simple person is advice and time. But the cure for the fool, unfortunately, is tragedy. That's what Solomon says. That's what some of us have learned. The fool has to learn the hard way. You can't teach a fool because they already know. So unfortunately, the cure is always tragedy. But here's the last thing, and then we're going to move on. You see, for those of you that you might say, you might be that person, I don't care. It's my life. It's my body. It's my time. It's my money. I can do what I want. I'm not hurting anyone else. You need to know that's not true. Foolishness blinds us to our selfishness because of what the proverb also says as well. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion or the husband or the wife or the father of, the mother of, the brother or the sister or the child of, the companion of a fool suffers harm. See, the tragedy of being a fool and of knowing right and wrong and just deciding, I don't care, isn't that you just hurt yourself, it's that eventually you will hurt someone else. And you can say all day long, well, it wasn't my intention, yeah, but they still got hurt. Well, I never meant to. It doesn't matter. They still got hurt. But, but I was just, it doesn't matter. They're still hurt because the companion of a fool suffers harm. And if you're young, this is why your parents freak out about your friends because you may be the wisest kid in the world, but the companion of a fool suffers harm. Because if they're not going to take care of their body, they're not going to take care of your body. And if they don't care about their finances, the last thing they're going to be concerned about is your finances. And if they don't care about their future and relationships, the last thing they're going to be concerned about is your future and your future relationships. And then the last category, and this is extreme. This is a person you don't want to work for. This is a person who hopefully you're not married to, And that is the mocker. Now, the mocker or the scoffer, the mocker is the fool on steroids. The mocker knows the difference between right and wrong, does not care, and mocks people who do what's right. It's a man or the woman, and they will mock people who do what's right. In fact, you wouldn't even invite a mocker friend to church. Because as soon as they find out you go to church, they're going to be like, oh, do you wear holy underwear? Do you wear a tie and a white shirt and carry a big Bible while riding your bicycle, knocking on doors after? This is a person, they're critical. They're condescending. They control the conversation. Most of the time they control through their condescending attitude. If you work for somebody like this, you are just miserable. When you are in any kind of relationship with this kind of person, you never know where you stand. They always come off as if they're the smartest person in the room and they're not, but they use the knowledge that they do have to control and they're always critical. Even their compliments are backhanded and they control the world through criticism and cynicism and they control their relationships by being condescending. And if you're married to someone like this, I pity you. If you work for someone like this, I pity you. And if you are this person, not only do you not care what I'm saying, but you've already decided what you would like to say to me in private, because you're clearly smarter than me. In fact, Solomon says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the the wicked incurs abuse. Don't rebuke mockers or they'll hate you. And again, you may be thinking of someone right now because it's someone you can never really engage with them in conversation. As soon as you bring up something or criticize them, they just pounce because they control through their cynicism and their criticism, and they leverage whatever intellect they have, and you can just never win with them. And Solomon would say, you just have to throw them out of your life. There's there's nothing you could do. There's no hope. Whether it's insecurity or just arrogance or clinical narcissism, something from their past, they just have to control and they're almost impossible to have a relationship with. So he says, correct the simple and they won't get you. Correct the fool and they'll ignore you. Correct the mocker and they'll hate you. But correct the wise, they will love you. They will thank you. Because the wise seek understanding. The wise know, as uh, we're going to see in a few weeks, the wise know what they don't know. And they're not afraid to listen to people who do know. The wise don't allow arrogance or an overblown self-esteem and a sense of having to control everything and the fact that they're the husband or they're the father or the man or the boss or the director or they're the woman who's worked her way up and they've earned this and, and it just and therefore I kind of got to put on a bit of an edge so that everybody knows who I am. Wise men and women don't allow that to drive their relationships. They're learners because they're constantly trying to get better. And if you're a Christian, You're trying to constantly move closer and closer to reflect Jesus, the one that we follow. Now, the simple, the fool, and the mocker, eventually they all need wisdom because eventually they find themselves in a situation they can't think, talk, or criticize their way out of. To move forward, to get out of debt, to break an addiction, to rescue a marriage or reestablish contact with their kids at some point along the way, everyone needs wisdom. The problem, Solomon says, is You sit in one of these three seats long enough, eventually, you're going to get to the point where you're not even going to be able to recognize wisdom. Then when someone comes along and offers you the solution to your problem, not only will you reject it, you won't even be able to recognize it. You you can be in one of these seats for so long that your situation is almost hopeless, not from the standpoint of God's love, but from your human experience. So at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon paints wisdom as a woman who's walking through the streets of a town or a village, and she's calling out saying, who wants wisdom? Who wants wisdom? Come and get it. And he personifies wisdom as a woman who's calling out the people in the streets. And and I want to read this to you from Proverbs chapter one, and then we're just going to wrap this up. Now, it's important to know what I'm about to read. This is not God talking. This is wisdom talking. This is Solomon saying, I've observed life, the simple, the fool, the mocker, and the wise. And here is cause and effect. Here is the outcome. This is just what happens in life if you sit in the seat of the simple or the fool or or the mocker for too long. And as I read this to you, I want you to imagine, where are you? Not somebody else, you. And then I'll wrap this up. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square on top of the wall. She cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent or change your mind at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call out and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelms you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes." For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. He says wisdom is available to whoever wants it. So how long are you just going to sit there until you have to learn everything the hard way? How long are you going to hide behind the fact that you just criticize everyone into submission? Another year, another job, another marriage, another busted up relationship or with kids, with grandkids. You sit there for very long and you're going to pay. And when you begin to pay, you're going to want to go back, but you can't. And eventually you're going to need me, wisdom says, but it's going to be too late. I won't be available. I won't be available to you when it overwhelms you. One of the heartbreaking things about being a pastor and caring deeply for people like many of you do is when people intentionally wait too long and finally decide they want to fix their life. And I wonder, why did you wait so long? And then to have to tell someone what you want you can never have in this life. You have done permanent damage to your life and your relationships. And in some cases your soul, not from the perspective of a relationship with God, but within the context of your life in this life, because you stayed there too long and you knew it and you reap what you sow. And listen, you're sowing, you're sowing something. And when you begin to reap, a counselor cannot erase cause and effect consequences. It's just going to happen. There's no amount of money or counseling that can fix it because you reap what you sow. And as you sow, as the simple or the fool or the mocker, there will be a harvest that comes. And you see, if you're a mocker, there'll be things that you'll never be able to experience because you were just too arrogant to admit to your wife or your husband or your children or your parents or your friends or your roommate that they were right. But here's the good news. You see, everything I've read so far should just scare the simple, the fool, and the mocker right out of you, and I hope that it does. But Solomon says, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Wisdom says, come on, I'm giving you one more opportunity, one more chance. I'm calling. And for some of you today, it's no mistake that you're watching or listening today. Wisdom says, I'm calling. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm so because i don't want you to reap the pain that can come from simple and foolishness and mocker this is what i want you to do to ask in light of my past experience current circumstances and hopes and dreams for the future what's the wise thing for the to do for me to do mockers that means you have to admit you're not the smart smartest person in the room fools you need to understand it's not just about you into the simple it means that there's nothing wrong with you You have the opportunity of a lifetime. You can have it both ways. But you're going to have to look around and find those that are 15, 20, 25 years ahead of you and think, you know what? When I'm that age, I want to be like that. I want those kind of relationships. And you're going to need to go to them and you're going to have to ask it. You begin to spend time with them. You begin to ask questions and then you listen and you apply. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, again, just I, I acknowledge just humbly that I have sat in all of these seats at one point in my life. And so I understand, and Father, I I just pray for all of us that have have heard and listened to this today, that God, that you would break through, that you would give everyone that has heard these words the breakthrough that they need to stop sitting in, in one or more of these seats and begin to step off and begin to open up and be honest about their weaknesses and their shortcomings. And, and Father, their need, their need for wisdom. And Father, so many people right now, they're listening and there are some decisions they know they need to make and some changes that need to be made. And I pray, God, that you would give them, them the strength and the understanding and the words and, and the, uh, the uh, intentionality and God, that you would just not let them rest until they actually accomplish that and that you, by your spirit, would help them, give them the strength that's needed and the wisdom. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. I, I hope that this series and this content is being helpful to you as we continue to gather online and uh, for at least a few more weeks. And so uh, please invite a friend, uh, tag them in this. Uh, also, uh, we would love for you, if you're a new, per- if you're a guest, there's a link in the comments. would love for you to click that. It's just an easy next step to join our uh, but kind of behind-the-scenes New Life Wichita family page on, on Facebook. And if you have any questions, then we would just love for you. We'll be on for a few minutes. You can uh, post them in the comments or, again, join that family group, and I'll be touching base with you. We just want to help you do uh, to help you in any way we can. Can to take your next step in your spiritual journey. So invite a friend, join us next week. We'll see you then.